You're listening to a DM podcast. G'day, pod lovers, podcasters, podlings, and welcome to Behind the Podcast, the podcast that opens the studio doors and takes a peek behind the microphone to tell you, the listener, the producer, the creator, the aficionado, what's happening in the podverse. I'm Jules, and with me, as always, is Stocks. Hello. In this week's episode, Spotify goes off the rails, more charges from the teacher's pet, what's trending on YouTube, a new podcast platform just for kids, we find out what's next in podcasting, Australia is number one, and it's time to celebrate women in podcasting. G'day, g'day, and welcome to another week of Behind the Podcast with Jules and Stocks. I am Jules, and with I'm not me, Stocks. Yeah, covering for Stocks is Mandy. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Stocks is off having a great old time in Europe, and it's making me very jealous. It's been a couple of weeks now, hasn't it? Yeah. And do we have a few more to come? We have a couple more to come. Uh, but that's okay. I'm really happy to be here with you. We've got a few nice surprises in today's episode. Quite a bit happening in this week, for sure. I think uh, some international staff, some local staff. Let's talk about the big old green giant. Spotify. Well, look, I mean, there's been lots of stories, obviously, about Spotify over the past couple of months, quarters, year. I think they've had, they've definitely gone hard in podcasting and, and you know, some of the, that is starting to come undone to a degree. Um, they've, they've put their focuses in other areas, but certainly a lot of the high-profile names and, and things like this that they've been signing are starting to part ways for one reason or another. And I think, too, there's a lot of questions being asked about where their money's going, who they're spending it on, their reliance on Joe Rogan, for example. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this week we've just seen a lot of talk about Megan and Harry. That story just blew up and just kept trickling on throughout the week. And Absolutely. And that's been, I think, a little bit of a, a prompt for people to ask the questions like – you know, what is their strategy now? Where are they going? And, you know, their reliance on someone like Joe Rogan could come undone in a heartbeat. I mean, he's had some controversial people on the pod in recent times. That could implode fairly quickly, you know. <laughs> so Totally. They obviously had some big purchases in from the, the studio sort of side as well. So not just buying talent. They're buying the people who've created shows and, and produce all of these shows. So Parcast and Gimlet were two of the big mm. ones that they'd purchased in the past. Um, and they were a big part of the strategy with the desire to build really highbrow, big recognition name shows um, that you know gathered awards, led to other sort of things, you know, being adapted for shows and movies and whatnot. But yeah, look, it's it's these sorts of areas that have seen a brunt of the axing, uh, it seems. And people have just left off their own accord as well. You saw Brené Brown leave, you've seen the Obamas leave. So these big names themselves kind of you know, decided that it wasn't quite what they wanted either. And, and it really does lead into all those other questions about um, celebrities not necessarily being able to translate their celebrity hmm. into podcasting. Yeah. There's an authenticity uh, argument about this, I think. It's like, yep. all right, do you have something that's kind of organically grown and people really kind of buy into for one reason or another? Is it they have a, a sort of affinity with the host? Is it the subject matter? Is it whatever? Is it the fact that podcasting was a bit of an upstart kind of thing and anyone could do it. And that sort mm. of captivated the the minds and ears, I suppose, of, of a lot of audiences. Whereas if you say, okay, here's Prince Harry and, and Megan and they've just signed for 20 million and they're going to interview people who are also, you know, incredibly, what's the word I'm looking for? Privileged. 
People who are incredibly privileged, yep. <laughs> you know, does that resonate with everyday listeners? I agree. I think there's something about the democracy of podcasts that people love. I certainly do. Yeah. And being able to hear Joe Blow from Whoop Whoop talk about something that he wouldn't ordinarily get the ability to do if it wasn't for the podcast platform. Yeah. So. I agree with you. And I think, too, we've got access to these celebrities in so many ways right. now, right? So we can speak to them on Twitter. We can speak to them, you know, in their DMs. And we can see them on Netflix and all the other platforms that there are. Yeah. So maybe it was just a sort of a case of too late and not enough. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. You're, you're exactly right. I mean, you know, you're force-fed celebrities everywhere you look, yeah. right? And you have this kind of sanctuary and podcasting. And <laughs> yeah. Is this where you want these people to be rammed in your ear holes as yeah. well and hear opinions that maybe necessarily like, yeah, don't go for it. And it also sort of takes the shine off the celebrity a little bit in some ways. Like the reason people do like celebrities is because they're shiny untouchables yeah, who have mystique. mystique and often they're acting or they're playing roles or whatever, even in the case of the royals, playing a role. But when you start to hear them talking in their own world, in their own language, sometimes that's actually really disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't meet your heroes. <laughs> I think another interesting factor of this is the way that Spotify signed all of these people and, and companies to exclusive deals. So the content that they made would only be heard on Spotify, which is obviously pretty restrictive from an audience point of view. Mm. And the desire from Spotify's angle is obviously that people would leave you know, whatever platform that they're listening to their podcast and come over and sign up with Spotify, right? Yep. But in the case of uh, Barack and Michelle Obama's uh, production company, Higher Ground, they've decided not to sign that exclusivity because they want to be able to distribute across all the platforms mm. and have that much wider audience, I guess. Mm. And if you think about the way that you recommend shows, you know, and you become really into shows, it's that word of mouth that mm. you rely on so heavily to spread the show itself mm. and by just limiting the audience that are going to hear it in the first place that's a big marketing arm that you're missing out on well so. it really is and it also then sort of speaks to that capitalist kind of angle that i think podcast didn't grow from it grew yeah. from just that access to everybody yeah that's like right. you said so yeah. well look these exclusives are all starting to come undone a bit obviously some of them like Rogan are incredibly successful and, and Spotify is really relying on them. But yeah, I think the ones where we saw the multi-million dollar you know, deals with uh, the likes of, of Archwell and even Ava DuVernay when they didn't really have mm. a set amount of shows that they had to release or mm. anything in particular, it doesn't seem like they really had a plan. <laughs> Maybe just have a little bit of a plan before you spend those big bucks. All right, news closer to home and this one about the Teacher's Pet podcast, which just has been coming up time and time again, especially with the conviction of the focus of the podcast, Chris Dawson. Yeah, that's right. So Headley Thomas released this podcast back in 2018 and this just took the world by storm. Mm. It was really one of these very engaging true crime podcasts mm. and it was investigating the, the disappearance of, of Lynn Dawson, Chris's wife at the time. Um, and really, you know, uncovered a lot of evidence that had previously been missed and obviously, as you said, led to the conviction. And yesterday, uh, by the time you listen to this, it might be a couple of days old, but Chris Dawson has been uh, charged with carnal knowledge of a girl between 10 and 17 years. I mean, he's not getting out of jail. Yeah, so one of the people who gave evidence against him, obviously, was uh, going by a court pseudonym, AB. She said that you know they did have relations outside of the uh, legal age, and she was at the heart of this podcast as well. And, uh, anyone who listened to the show will know that mm. Chris you know, got rid of his wife so that he could move in with or have 
have this lady move in who who was teaching um, at school. It was a student, exactly, and um, and she was underage. She was moved in, and then Lynn disappeared. It took this podcast and many many years for yeah, him to absolutely. be convicted. So. It's the power of podcasting. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's tough to call it a win necessarily given the mm. subject matter, but it's amazing what's come uh, from this show in terms of justice for Lynn Dawson and, and AB as well. I think it is a win, Jules. Anytime that somebody is convicted of a crime, regardless of how many years ago, especially a, a sexual crime like this, I think yeah. it's definitely a win. <laughs> And another big player in the podcasting world, YouTube. Mandy, we've got some stats. You're a big stat lover yourself, aren't you? Oh, my God. I am so not a maths person, but I'm going to try and break some of this down for you. Basically, YouTube does this every year. It's their Creative Trends Report, and they have conducted the survey in 14 countries with hundreds and hundreds of people and come up with a few trends for this year. So basically they're saying that some of the major subtopics of note to come out of this report are widespread online personalisation, mm-hmm. mainstream casual creativity, content experiences built for viewers and AI-enabled creative possibility. Now, what does all of that mean? Yes. And they did focus quite a bit on Gen Z. They're saying that Gen Z basically get on YouTube if they're really really interested in a subject, they'll look at it in different ways. They'll look at it in short form, long form, live stream, podcasts, yeah. and YouTube is the machine. Can, it all. can deliver it all. Exactly. Um, so that's one takeaway, but also the AI stuff as well, and that a lot of people are very open to experiencing and consuming content built with AI. Yeah. Some of the shows that you see on YouTube or the yeah shows, I guess is the right word, they have uh, recommendations about how to make good you know, YouTube videos that can that can make you money and these sorts of things. And it's often like, what? give us a list. Give us a list of your favourite, you know, horror movies. Give us a list of da-da-da-da-da. Mm. And one of the things that they're now recommending to do is not use your own voice but use an AI-generated voice because people are so used to hearing that sort of a robotic voice through TikTok no, and those sorts of things. So no. it's happening, Mandy. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, Well, yeah, it is happening and uh, it's hard to stop that train now, isn't it? But yeah, I found some interesting stuff to come out of this. 54% of people surveyed agree that they follow a creator who creates content in a language other than their own. Yeah, that's fascinating. You know, so the amount of people who listen, who watch shows in other languages on something like SBS in Australia... You know, you'd hope it would be more than than what it is, but I can't imagine it's that many. But fifty four percent is is great. It's a huge chunk, and it does also speak to the fact that subtitles are, you know, imperative if you're yeah. making content, right? And this one, this one's fascinating too. Fifty two percent of people surveyed say they watch a VTuber, a virtual YouTuber. So this is mm. a, a fake person. Yeah. Uh, over the last twelve months. of people are watching fake people. Not real people. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. Anyway, so um, there's a lot of YouTube-y sort of PR and spin and stuff in this report, but it's still interesting to see some of these trends come to the front. It really is quite an immersive platform and certainly... You know, if you want to listen to, if you want to consume in one way, maybe then that's the the door that opens up another, and but it manages to keep you on the platform no matter what. You go down rabbit holes, totally, and before you know it, it's three a.m. and yeah. you're eating ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Jules, I know in previous weeks we've talked about Peppa Pig, we've yep. talked about Bluey, we've uh-huh. talked about this new trend of kids' TV shows coming to 
podcasting, well, I've got some big news for you. There is a brand new kids podcast platform that has launched this week. Fantastic. It's huge. It's a tech startup. It's called Kids Podco and it has launched over 300 podcasts hand curated so that you don't have to. Great. suitable for your kids from the ages of 3 to 13. It's been designed and developed in partnership with a kids tech expert and it's basically saying to parents, don't feel guilty about screen time. This is a platform where kids can hit play and hear interesting, informative, educational, yeah. entertaining podcasts. And I think, yeah, I was waiting for this to happen. I'm so glad it has. Jessica Ray, the CEO and co-founder, has said, we believe podcasts benefit children and adults in much the same way. But for kids who learn by listening more so than reading, there are absolutely transformational benefits for uh, kids' podcasts. And I agree entirely because kids learn in so many different ways. And it is, it's it's a way to help them get to sleep. It's a, a way to help entertain them when they're sitting in the car or wherever you'd know this, you've got little bubs. Mm-hmm. The only thing I will say is that obviously there's going to be advertising. Yeah. So I'm hoping they're going to be responsible in that advertising space. They've noted here it does highlight the untapped potential for responsible advertising in this space. Mm. So if they're doing that, I mean, you know, this is a whole other advertising industry that's opening up. There'll probably be regulations and guidelines that'll be put in place. All these sorts of things that you know advertisers need to consider when they're on radio or on on television. Mm. Um, I think there's going to be another one. I think the question of advertising to kids in itself is a question. Yeah, that's interesting. So the kids are going to be sitting there in the back of the car with the earphones on, maybe just listening to something and having whatever ads put in front of them. Conditioned from an early age. How do you feel about your kids listening to advertising? Uh, well, I guess they'll probably launch a, a paid model where you don't have to hear the ads. And if they do, well, they've probably sucked me in there. Just one of many ways they're going to take your money, Jules. <laughs> kids. <laughs> All right, so stumbled across an article by Luke Ferris on the Founder website, and it was titled What's Next in Podcasting with Max Cutler. Max Cutler, ex-Spotify entrepreneur, mm-hmm. he was interviewed by Luke for this article and asked what are the attributes that make a talk podcast host compelling? So I was really interested in this as a producer. Yeah. And I forwarded it on to the team here as well because we always like to share bits and pieces about uh, what's happening in the industry. But Max came up with three things and they're not really surprising. Intimacy, do your listeners feel like your best friends? Chemistry, can you find a co-host or producer with an established rapport? Authenticity, can you remain true to yourself and speak honestly? And I agree. I think they're really, really important things. And so I decided to ask the producers here at DM what they thought were the important attributes that make a podcast host compelling. My name is Alex J. I'm a producer at DM Podcasts. I help produce Where's Your Head At with Matt Sikowski and Anna McAvoy from Love Island. I produce The Show Off, which is a collaboration between Batuta and Pedestrian, a weekend entertainment type breakdown podcast. What else? I produce my own podcast, which is called Dude Cinema, that I co-host with my best friend and fellow comedian, Beck Charwood. And we've got Sometimes Funny, Always Awkward with content creator Manny McRae. And I'm so happy to be working in the field. There's a few things that I find make a compelling podcast host. 
Most notably for me, I've always been drawn to funny podcasts, um, not necessarily by comedians, but podcasts with a lighthearted, funny bent, some riffing, some banter. I always find those like the most engaging for me. So really just like great chemistry between the co-hosts, if there's co-hosts or if it's a single host, just great chemistry, good banter, someone that makes me laugh. I also like it when hosts let the listeners into their lives a little bit. I find it hard to connect with podcast hosts who don't do that at all. And I don't mean you need to be like, okay, today I took a poop this morning and it was really painful, but just like anything that lets me into your life so I can relate to the host as more than just someone who's giving me some information via a podcast. I really like to connect and and like kind of forge a relationship, a parasocial relationship, if you will, however um, toxic that may be. Um. (laughs) Hi, my name's Cam Muller. I am the head of podcast at Dan Podcast. I assist with the development, delivery and monetization of podcasts. Basically, I wear many hats throughout each day. Four main things that I find compelling in a host. Number one, relatability. Someone who the listener can feel like they're friends with. Number two, aspirational. Someone that the listener can potentially live vicariously through or aspire to live a similar life. Number three, educational. Someone that the listener can learn something from. And number four is entertaining. Someone that the listener can be entertained by. Hi, I'm Sam Devonport. I'm a producer here at DM Media. I work in both video and audio. So a lot of my podcasts are both of those things, YouTube and audio, of course. I work on When We Grow Up with Marley Silver and Nico Hines. I also work on The Sunday Sessions with Liam Dowling. I am now about to bring to market Bree Lee and Brady Jabor's Cool Story and amongst many, many others. So yeah, I think the thing that I'm looking for most when I consider podcasters, and it sounds really cliche, but it is that authenticity. There's that thing which you can't teach, but people can smell through artifice and people can see if you're being fake. People can see if you're trying to be something that you aren't. If you're at least real, whether or not an audience responds to that or not, they'll at least see that you'll mean what you say. And it's such an important thing with podcasting. Also, of course, having chemistry with your co-hosts. If it is a co-hosted podcast, sometimes that takes time to develop, but you can also feel pretty quick when that chemistry is not there. So it's something really interesting. I think video podcasting is also something which is really, really becoming almost the norm. On YouTube, you obviously say so much more with your eyes and your expression than you ever do through your words. People can see the meaning you're trying to convey. Seeing you, because at the end of the day, these are parasocial relationships that are being developed through podcasting and people seeing you just enables them to feel like they are your friend and they know you even better. Hi, I'm Blake Manis and I've been a producer at DM Podcast for over two and a half years now. And in that time, I've worked across a lot of podcasts. Uh, Currently, I produce and work on titles such as the Batuta Advocate podcast, Sit With Us with Domenica Calarco and Ella Ding, Just For Girls with Sam Guggenheimer and Izzy Armitage, and I'm currently developing Maria Thetil's debut podcast, The Maria Thetil Show. To me, there's a few universal keys that make a podcast and its host great. Have you ever been anxious about an interview or a meeting and your parents give you the most annoying advice of just be yourself? Well, now it's my turn to say it. Relatability and likability is what connects your listener to you. And that's not to say you have to be your core audience, but recognize what universally connects you with your next door neighbor, 
even your barista, and find ways to use these themes and shared experiences to connect with your audience. My next key is conviction. Your listener is tuning in to listen to you and your content. I've listened to a lot of podcasts that try to play both or every side of a topic or subject matter, but this can't always be done. I don't mind at times disagreeing with a host, but if a host owns what they are saying and they say it with conviction, to me that's so much more memorable than a point of view that lands or just stays on the fence. And lastly, honor your listener. Your listener quite literally makes your show and is what makes it marketable. So be conscious of their time and their commitment to your content, and that will well and truly pay dividends. Thank you. Well, that was great. Some really interesting little insights there from everyone. It's great to hear the kind of passion from the producing team that you've got here and, and the people involved in the podcast. I know. That I know. They're so incredible. And the fact that everyone had different ideas about that, it yeah. just shows that there's a lot that goes into being a podcast host and to creating it from the back end as well. Um, I love that uh, that parasocial relationship was mentioned a couple of times. Yeah. Hadn't heard that before? No, I hadn't heard that before, but it basically means that one-sided relationship. Yeah. Um, chemistry authenticity, all of those things came up time and time again. But I loved Blake's comment about honouring your listener. Honour their time. They're spending their time. They're investing in what you've got to say. So don't blather on. Give them what they need and don't be indulgent. I think that's so cool. And just for me to throw my own two cents in, I think storytelling is super important and the ability to tell a story. So you might be talking about something really inane like losing a sock or whatever. If you can craft the storytelling in a way that's entertaining, then any subject matter is is good. So I think that's what people sometimes forget, that podcasting is a form of storytelling. Yeah. Well, we honour you, our listeners, and we hope that we're, this show remains interesting for you. More research out this week, this time from Edison Research, Infinite Dial, the 2023 Australian study, and Australia leads the world when it comes to podcast listening. It's been revealed that 43% of Australians listen to a podcast every month, which uh, compared to the US is 42%, and a third every week, which is compared to the US is 31 So we're on par, really, with the US. We're, we're slightly ahead of the US, though. Let's just Sorry, we're slightly ahead of the US. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very important to make sure we get those facts correct, Maddie. <laughs> Competitive much. Um, <laughs> and also the interesting thing that you and I found about this report is the platform that people are listening on. Yes. The rarely mentioned on this show, Spotify, is number one <laughs> with 34%. Interestingly, YouTube came in number two with 24% and Apple Podcasts three with 11%. I mean, I, if I was an exec at Apple, I'd be asking why because so many people have iPhones in this country. We're yeah. a very wealthy country. We all have iPhones. I find that really fascinating. What is that about, Jules? Is that a user experience thing? Is that a... Yeah, that? I think I think all of the above. I mean, like, you know, it's, you've noted that Android obviously has quite a large saturation in Australia still, and, and Apple Podcasts won't be on that. But I think that for a long time, they just, you know, I mean, this is anecdotal, of course, but it just seemed like they were taking podcasting for granted. And the app that they had that was kind of the default app on the Apple's uh, products they didn't really have too much change over the years. And then Spotify introduced podcasting into their app around 2015. And a lot of people had already made that move over to Spotify for music. music yeah. yeah, because their streaming uh, offering was really, really simple to use and, and 
you know, once they started having podcasts on there as well, you're like, well, I'm already on here for the music. I might as well stay for the podcasting. I did have a bit of a transition period mm. when I was listening to music on Spotify and podcasts Same. on Apple. Same. But then the the Spotify did so much work in their UX and their platform to, you know, properly cater to, to podcasting and the experience just became so much better. I agree. I was exactly the same and now I barely listen to podcasts on Apple. So yeah. that makes a lot of sense from that perspective. Is that a warning sign? Should Apple be concerned about this? Do we, you know, long term think that Apple's going to have what it takes to maintain this podcast platform? Yeah, well, I mean, they've been doing a couple of things recently. I mean, you know, listening to the show will know that we don't talk about them that frequently because no. they don't seem to do all of that much with their with their platform. But mm. a lot of the news seems to be tied up in them doing things like, you know, Patreon, which you might get through the Apple uh, App Store. You subscribe to individual creators, you, you pay a meager amount each month and it goes directly to them. So it's like one of these things where people mm. don't need to be signing these big deals to Spotify or, or whomever to start to monetize their shows. Apple is you know, in talks about putting a tax on those subscriptions as well because they happen they happen through the platform so they want to take 30% of you know that money so they're in for slightly the wrong reasons maybe they'll turn this around and but maybe again it's not that big of a focus i mean you know how many units apple ships each year of their actual phones so yeah revenue made from podcasting they might just be like who gives a fuck yeah well it sounds like it Well, we certainly give a fuck, Mandy, and we give a fuck about our female podcasters out there. Yes, we do, Jules, and the International Women's Podcast Awards are looking for women to enter, and I reckon if you're a female in the industry, get on and have a look at it. We'll put the links into the notes today. Um, They're looking for exceptional moments of audio brilliance, the ones that make you the most proud of your podcast, the ones you'd choose to show off to others. So whether that's producing, whether you're a host. Last year we saw, you know, F and Hormones and other fantastic female podcasts get up. So go for it, girls. Absolutely. And before we go, just quickly, Jules, recommendations for this week. Yeah, I've got a couple actually. One is called How to Fail with Elizabeth Day. So this is one that my wife put me onto. Mm. Um, Elizabeth Day is a, is a reporter over there in the UK. So, you know, like a lot of podcasts, she interviews interesting people or celebrities. But the format of this one is she asks them to talk about their three big failures in life and what you've learned from them. So, you know, we learn from our mistakes and that's the premise essentially of this show. Oh, that sounds good. I like that one. But the one that I really love is uh, from... An old favorite of mine, Louis Theroux. So the Louis Theroux podcast is now up on, of all places, Spotify. It's been around for a couple of weeks now. Um, and they've, the opening interview is with Shania Twain. If you've ever seen anything by Louis Theroux, you'll understand that he's got a really great way of interviewing and getting you know people to admit to things, or not admit to things, but expose themselves on things that maybe they wouldn't be comfortable doing otherwise. Just he's a genius delivery. at it. And I listened to Shania after you recommended this, and it's just a fantastic interview. He even does a few... <laughs> songs in the middle of it himself and like it's just great it's classic louis definitely and well worth uh, listening on because he's got some good names coming up and and even the next one you'll hear about craig david is really interesting hearing what that guy's been through wow okay how about yourself mandy i've been listening to a podcast called stiffed it's about a female pornographic magazine from the 70s right uh spin-off from penthouse Uh uh-huh and how the feminists tried to get hold of it and just that really interesting intersection between porn and feminism and the 70s. So if that floats your boat, yep. check Sex it out. Sex and sideburns. <laughs> Sex and sideburns. 
You heard it here. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening another week. Thank you to Mandy for filling in for stocks. Thank you to Ruby for running the socials. Again, if you want to follow us or get in touch or have any general conversation or see the great stuff that Ruby's posting up there, go to behind underscore the underscore podcast at Spotify. On Instagram. (laughs) That was a faux pas to end the episode. (laughs) 